I imagine that every single one of you is very aware, if you've turned your television on, if you've opened a newspaper, if you've seen Twitter, Facebook, any other sort of social media, you'll be very aware of uh, the terrorist attacks in Paris on Friday evening. The worst disaster in France since, since the Second World War, in which at least 129 people died, 352 have been injured, of whom 99 are in a critical condition. And President Francois Hollande has declared a state of national emergency. He's called for three days of national mourning. I was at a party last night, and uh, a young man there had just yesterday returned from Paris, having been in a bar close to the Paris football stadium, as what happened unfolded on the TV screen, and the sounds of the sirens began. This is very, very close to home. Some of you may know somebody who in some way was caught up in this, and various people may be feeling a whole range of emotions. Being so close to home puts mass murder on our television screens, and it shakes all of us at some level. And so we join the people of France today in mourning the awful loss of life, sharing in the grief of those who have lost loved ones, and joining with everyone who denounces uh, this atrocious expression of evil. Along with London, Paris has the highest church attendance in Europe. And we stand with those worshippers gathering today as they begin to process what has happened and look for ways to bring comfort to their city in grief. We also stand with the people of France of whatever faith or none as they try and come to terms with this tragedy. There really are no words to describe the anguish being felt by those who are suffering today, and our heart and our prayers go out to them. This evening I want to ask and attempt to answer the question, how should we respond? How as Christians, how do we make sense of this and how do we, uh, what do we do? And so firstly, we mourn with those who mourn. This is not just a tragedy for the people of Paris. As President Obama said, this is an attack on all of humanity. And as the people of Paris mourn, we mourn with them. It's important to say that as we watch the media coverage, the vast wall-to-wall media coverage of this event, and as we mourn with the people of Paris, we should not forget that they are not the only country in mourning. On the same day as the Paris attacks, there were two bombs in Baghdad set off by so-called Islamic State, IS, I'll refer to them, which killed over 30 people, injured over 60. On Friday, the day of the Paris attacks, Lebanon was holding its own day of mourning following two suicide bombings in a busy shopping street in Beirut on Thursday evening. Again, those attacks by, attacks by members of IS in which at least 41 people died and more than 200 were injured. And let's not forget that IS terrorists have been and continue to be responsible for many tens of thousands of deaths in Syria and Iraq. And people are dying at the hands of terrorists every day, somewhere in the world. So as we mourn with those who mourn, we would do well not to limit ourselves to events close to home. We mourn with our world today. We mourn with those who mourn. Secondly, we should remember 
what lies behind these atrocities, or more accurately, who lies behind these atrocities. The ultimate enemy is not Al-Shabaab or IS. It is Satan, whose influence lies behind every evil action. We live in what the Bible calls the present evil age, and even many people who don't believe in God know that evil exists. It does. And it is the expression of the nature of a very real enemy called Satan. We live in a time when Satan's kingdom of darkness has influence in the world. Both Paul and Jesus repeatedly refer to Satan as having a level of rulership in this world. He usurped it from Adam and Eve. God entrusted rulership to them. That was usurped. He has some influence. And Jesus himself refers to him as uh, the ruler of this world three times. He has authority to rule, always subject to God, but nevertheless to wreak havoc, havoc in the earth. The Bible elsewhere tells us that Satan roams through the earth and goes back and forth in it, that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, exerting where he can and expressing his vile nature. Acts of terrorism are an expression of the kingdom of darkness, Satan's kingdom. And there's a spiritual battle going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, broke in, came with Jesus 2,000 years ago as he talked about God's kingdom, as he demonstrated it through what he did. But while the kingdom of God was ushered in in Jesus, we all know that it is not fully here. And Jesus said then, the kingdom of God is near, is in you, has come upon you, the kingdom has been given to you. But he also told many parables about the kingdom coming at some point in the future with his return. And he taught his disciples to pray that his kingdom would come. And so we live in a time experiencing what the theologians call eschatological tension. The kingdom of God is here, but it is not fully here. Sometimes people are healed, sometimes they're not healed. Sometimes God's will is done, very often God's will is not done. Acts of terrorism are prevented. Acts of terrorism, terrorism are sometimes not prevented. At the return of Christ, the kingdom of God will come in its fullness, and that tension will be over. Injustice will be righted, and the Bible tells us there will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. But until then, evil is very real. Thirdly, we need not be alarmed. For now we live in turbulent times, but Jesus said it was going to be like this. If you have a Bible, you could turn with me to Matthew 24, otherwise the screen will show it. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, Matthew 24 and verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations 
because of me. Jesus warned that things would get very rough before the end, before he returns to set everything straight, that there would be wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdom. There will be persecution. People would be put to death. But he said, see to it that you are not alarmed. He also said there, stand firm. And so we're to stand firm knowing that God is there for us. The psalmist in Psalm 46 wrote this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. God is our refuge. Yesterday, French television news, they showed an interview with a man whose daughter had been injured in the attacks, and he was asked how he felt. And this is what was broadcast on French television news. His reply was this, I trust in my God and know that he will never forsake me. Effectively quoting from the Bible books, Hebrews and Deuteronomy, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. We can stand firm knowing that God is there for us. We need to stand firm in what we believe. Circumstances may be dire, but we have a rock-steady faith. Where so many people have no hope, we know that Jesus is the only hope for humanity. We need to stand firm also with those who are persecuted, stand firm with the persecuted church. Some of you here this morning have had to flee your own country because of fear of death, because of what you believe. We stand with you. We stand also with others we know whose lives are in danger because of their faith in Jesus. And you notice there, this gospel of the kingdom. We're to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Go on telling people about the good news of Jesus. He is the only answer to the mess that this world is in. And then fourthly, we can pray. Jesus taught us to pray that God's kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we remember the victims of the attacks in Paris and in Beirut and in Baghdad and in Kenya and no doubt others I didn't find on the news, we need to pray for the families who have lost loved ones, pray for those who are injured, pray for those who are traumatized, pray that there will be comforters for the hundreds of families in each of those cities who are affected. We do well to pray for the emergency workers who have witnessed the utter devastation and worked tirelessly to help those who have been injured. We need to pray for those in positions of responsibility, political leaders, leaders of nations who are charged with making the very complex decisions regarding security and how to tackle IS and other terrorist organizations who seek to kill and destroy. This is a global challenge. There are no simple political solutions. There are no simple military solutions. Those charged with making decisions have an awesome responsibility that none of us would care to carry. They need God's wisdom to have a hope of solving this unprecedented problem. We need to pray that perpetrators who have been involved in these attacks, who are still alive, are captured 
and brought to justice. And also, though it goes against every natural tendency within us, we are to pray for our enemies. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus was teaching one of his most radical messages. And in verse 43, this is what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus wasn't just a radical teacher. He radically lived it. And of course, Jesus later lived these words out as he was killed himself, as he was crucified. Because of his love for those who were at enmity with God, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Love your enemies. Pray for those who attack you. Pray for terrorists. Pray for the murderous members of Islamic State. Now, love for our enemies just simply doesn't come naturally to us. It's the very opposite of our natural inclination. It's actually a shocking concept. But our Father in heaven, <clears throat> he loves everyone, including those who reject his rulership in their lives. And Jesus says, love as he loves. That's really hard, isn't it? We feel something of the pain that our fellow man's experiencing today, and loving those who have committed these atrocities and praying for them just feels so unnatural. But let's consider that God, unlike us actually, feels the pain being felt by every single grieving and traumatized victim of these attacks. He feels it acutely, and yet, he loves even the most unlovely, the most vile, the most evil terrorist with a passion so strong he sent Jesus to die so that they might be reconciled to him. We are called to pray for terrorists, to pray that the deception that they are driven by would be broken, to pray that they would come to a place of repentance, that their hearts would be pierced by conviction that they'll turn from the evil that grips them and that the Lord would reveal his love to them. To pray that they would hear the gospel and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Echoing what Jesus said, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in the city where he himself was later killed for his faith. The church in Rome. The church which was later to see many of its members fed to the lions in the Colosseum, where the Roman emperor, I believe it was Nero, would later have Christians covered in tar, impaled on poles, and have them set on fire as human torches to light up a street in Rome. And Paul wrote to that church, and he echoed Jesus' words when he wrote this in Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We're called to love. 
We're called to hate what is evil. We're called to be patient in affliction. We're called to be faithful in prayer. We're called to bless those who attack us. Bless and do not curse, he says. Mourn with those who mourn. Followers of Jesus have found the strength to do this because they are compelled by the love of Jesus rather than compelled by hate. There was a white American anti-apartheid activist in South Africa. Her name was Amy Elizabeth Beale. And despite doing all she could to oppose the oppression of black South Africans, she was murdered by a mob of those she was trying to protect. Amy was pulled out of her car, she was stabbed, and she was stoned to death. Amy's parents, Linda and Peter, after struggling through their daughter's death, chose love. They chose forgiveness rather than hate. And they set up and established a non-profit agency, the Amy Beale Foundation. And some of those who were involved in her death were embraced by Linda and Peter. They were hired to work with them as they poured their lives into helping South African youth. The power of forgiveness, the power of love over hatred. Now, as well as those things we would do well to do, there are a couple of things I just want to mention that we would do well to be careful not to do. And the first is this, that we should not allow these events to affect our attitude towards the refugees streaming across Europe. Recently, I've read some comments from those who are saying, don't let the refugees into our country. Most of them are Muslims. Some of them might be terrorists. Close the, close the doors. I was at an event just recently. I was sitting at a table uh, where the person I was sat next to at dinner said the same thing. The attacks on Paris certainly highlight the importance of security, national security in this immigration crisis, and terrorists may, may very well try to gain access to our country with those refugees, but almost all of these people are just trying to live. They're just trying to protect their families, and in many cases, they're fleeing from these terrorists. They're fleeing from IS as they uh, flee countries like Syria and Iraq. We need to pray for those who assess, those seeking asylum, asking God for wisdom to discern those who are legitimate refugees from those who are not. And we need to be careful to keep our hearts free from any prejudice which is stimulated by fear, keeping our hearts and our arms wide open to the refugees. As a church, we remain absolutely committed to helping refugees of every faith and none. We refuse to allow fear and self-preservation to affect the love that we are called to show to those in need. And secondly, we should not allow these events to affect our attitudes towards Muslims. The Ku Klux Klan many years ago claimed to be Christians as they attacked and killed African Americans. But virtually every Christian denomination absolutely denounced them. They were extremists. They were evil. And similarly, IS are extremists. They are evil. The vast majority of Muslims denounce them and all that they do. They want nothing to do with militant Islamic extremists. After the events of 9-11, 14 years ago, 
and after the London bombings 10 years ago, Muslims found themselves in fear as some people aimed their anger at everyone who held that faith. We are to love our Muslim neighbors. We don't agree with what they believe. They don't agree with what we believe. But the vast majority of those we might meet who follow the religion of Islam are decent, loving, law-abiding citizens. I would love us in these days to go out of our way to be kind to those we might come across in the coming weeks who are Muslims, maybe feeling vulnerable, to extend grace however and wherever we can, people we work with, neighbors, friends, to initiate a conversation where we might find it awkward to do so, just to step over and make the first step towards. These terrorist attacks this week in Kenya, in Iraq, in Lebanon, in Paris, France, remind us that evil is rife in our world and such attacks will no doubt continue. The terrorist attacks in Paris will almost certainly not be the last major attacks that we see close to home. There is every chance that an, another time it may be even closer. And my prayer, and I hope our prayer, would be that as evil is shown for what it is, as darkness is shown to be as dark as it is, people will begin to look to the light. People will realize that this world of ours is in an utter mess and will respond to God who is reaching out to them by reaching out to him.